conversation can change the way you think, how you feel, or even what you believe. So no matter what your conversation's about, it's not for nothing. Hello, and welcome to Not For Nothing, the show where I bring to you all the conversations I'm having on a daily basis or the conversations I want to be having. And today, I am dropping you right in the middle of a conversation that started this morning with Sarah Cooper. Hello. Hello. So today, we were on the phone just doing our little Wednesday afternoon catch up and everything. Uh, And you (laughs) had mentioned something that I was like, okay. Stop right there. We're going to turn the show on because this is a conversation I want to have with our friends. So go ahead. Tell us what your thoughts were for today. So I basically said we should discuss um, and I had thoughts on movies that should be Broadway shows or theaters or stage productions and shouldn't be. Um, It really stemmed from I started listening to this artist on YouTube who does a lot of heavy metal covers of like different songs, particularly it's different from Leo who does leapfrog. It's a different guy. And he does a lot of Disney covers. Mm-hmm. So and he takes actual Disney songs, songs and, does and does heavy metal covers, ver- of covers of them. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was listening to his stuff and he, and I'm going to, let me get, cause he did it with another artist. I've listened to both of them on YouTube before. And I want to make sure I give you their names correctly and don't mix up their last names. Cause that's embarrassing. <laughs> um, it's Jonathan Young and Caleb Hiles, and they did a metal version of the Bells of Notre Dame. Oh my the god! Of Notre Dame, and I like immediately was like, "This needs to be a Broadway rock opera. This See, this this story needs to be a metal Broadway rock opera." I like, don't. I don't. Re- I'm not really somebody who gravitates towards heavy metal. Like I'm at a space now where I've embraced that I can really get on board with any kind of music especially after the last two episodes Aussie fan right I'm a, I'm a, I'm a full Aussie fan do they, do they have names the Aussie fans like the Aussie heads or you know the... I don't know if they have names that's more of a newer generation thing right well anyway I'm an Aussie head whatever that might mean to you but um when you said the bells of Notre Dame and then heavy metal I was like I I want to hear this now like I'm like that sounds so um I could, and yeah. I'm already like picturing like uh, very gothic, you know, cath- right. you know, cathedral. It just seems to make sense once I listened to it. I was like, this should be a Broadway show. Well, and like um, I was thinking, I won't say I'm in love from Hercules, Megara. I'm like, that could be heavy metal. I like that. I'm digging yeah. that already. Like, just, there's just so many yeah. songs you could just like, I could see that. So okay, so you're you want uh, the Hunchback of Notre Dame to be a Disney Broadway show that is heavy metal let's say rock, rock opera. heavy metal well because and Got that's it. when i yeah because i think alan minkin wrote the music he wrote a lot of 2000 90s mm-hmm. rock music for and he's a fantastic songwriter and so i looked it up because i was like maybe this isn't an original idea and apparently at some point in germany they did the disney hunchback of notre dame on stage like a musical in german because really? it's oh, germany wow. um and clearly it never made it to the states because if it had we would have known about it but Mm -hmm. um but i was just like to me that i was listening to the his covers i was like god that's such a good movie and i'd also there's some stuff i don't think translates well to stage yeah but i feel like 
that is something you could build a fantastic set around. Mm -hmm. There's not too much, there wouldn't be too many set changes. You know, I mean, it essentially all takes place in the cathedral. Or you could. Or you could do an up there, in there, out there. That's three sets you would need for this whole musical, really. Because it all takes place either in in the cathedral, in the the bell towers of the cathedral. Or underground. Or underground, or out front in the courtyard in front of it. That's it. You could, that'd be a very easy set to build. And I think now would be the time to do that because they are really in the last, I guess, 15 years, they've really innovated how they build sets with all the moving parts and, Mm -hmm. and with the technology, it's just fantastic. Well, we saw Aladdin on Broadway and being able to simulate a flying carpet on stage Mm -hmm. was fantastic. So the technology, I mean, they're at a place now and to me, there's twofold because I can go a little extremist. I loved like in Rent when the cast and even in when the revival of Sweeney Todd, when the cast played the instruments, mm-hmm. because it was almost like seeing a concert more so. Yeah. And I thought that like even something like that would be really cool. Like the gargoyles would be like the musicians. <laughs> like I thought about I this long that. and hard. Like, like I spent a lot of energy thinking about this. <laughs> I really love this idea. Um yeah, and and like with Disney, they really and I mean, if I'm getting this incorrect, theater nerds, please forgive me. I I I don't mean to just mix it up, but from my understanding, Disney has two theaters on Broadway, and right now they're occupied by The Lion King and Aladdin. And before Aladdin was Mary Poppins, and there was uh, Tarzan, and there was the Little Mermaid, Little Mer- and Beauty and the Beast was and fantastic, and, and that shows think, you what you can do with a stage. I think Beauty and the Beast, Little Mermaid, Tarzan, Aladdin, and Mary Poppins were all in the same theater mm-hmm. at different times, I believe. Yeah. If I'm wrong, Disney... I'm pre- yeah, Broadway people, please forgive me. I'm pretty sure Lion King's got a stronghold on that theater. <laughs> Lion King, <laughs> which it well, should. I don't I mean, know. I don't know because I mean, yes, you would have been absolutely 100 percent correct before COVID. I did, like true. shows like The Lion King and Wicked, which were and uh, The Phantom of the Opera, which were like stronghold. They're staying. They've got staying power. They cost a lot of money, and mm-hmm. they and they were big tourist attractions but now their their fate is changing possibly and i don't know enough about that to go any further than that so i will say they just announced and i saw this because i followed the fame of the opera on facebook they just announced within this last week that for broadway they are requiring masks and vaccines Mm -hmm. to get in as a customer as a theater goer but their employees are required to be vaccinated to continue working there with very few exception and you know, mm-hmm. what was funny is the people on the internet who seemed to complain so much about it were the ones who probably would never pay to go a Broadway show Right, anyway. like, why are you so pissed <laughs> off about Broadway? You're not even going to leave your mountain home, so get over yourself. Yeah, but so, yeah, so that, was, that was my first one. The other one that is I've been listening to so much recently is the uh, Prince of Egypt soundtrack, which is a I'm beautiful very- song very surprised that's never been brought to Broadway. Like, and I again, I think that's something you could do very theatrically. Like, there could, like... Especially like with us, the song I've been listening to on repeat is the plague song, Oh yeah, <laughs> which I just love. But I feel like, again, you, that's a very, the- you could do something very cool on stage with it, especially with a, the setting of ancient Egypt. And mm-hmm. well, and the, the fact that like, like there's two, there's two cartoon musicals that come to mind that were so good that and this is so sick. They were so good. People assumed they were Disney and they're not. And that's Anastasia and the Prince of Egypt. And, 
and they've done um, Anastasia <laughs> on stage already. Right, they've done that. And I'm one. mad because they took out Rasputin's song in the Dark of the Night, which is the best song ever. So did you see? Did you see Anastasia on Broadway or on no, but on stage? I, but no, but know. I looked up the soundtrack because I love that song and I was so excited. <laughs> I love that. It's one of the best villain songs ever. Um, um, which is yes. interesting because I, I I do sort of follow the um, the the awards award show circuit stuff, mm-hmm. and they do they add they always add songs like when they bring it from the stage to. The, the screen they always add a new song because they want to be nominated for best for original best song and all that and they also sometimes Dude, the they other add, way so well and and that's true that's true too they they want to add something that wasn't there and yada yada but um yeah i'm i there's a lot of things that just i'm very surprised that they have never brought it to to broadway like they were trying to bring mrs doubtfire to broadway and i thought that's interesting i could deal with that like i'm you like like they were gonna turn it into a musical or were they just gonna do it as a stage show because also not everything needs to be a musical not everything needs to be a musical well Um, and there was there was some uh there were some interesting song moments in mrs doubtfire like luck hmm. be a lady and dude looks like a lady and you know there was some real like rock and roll moments uh, yeah for that so they could turn some of those moments into it but also um i don't know i don't i don't know how hard that would be because mm-hmm. in the movie there um the the brother made for daniel hillard um a mask to put on and it was just in the story it was like throw that mask on throw that wig on throw that fat suit on go out the door it's not real that's not how it was robin williams had to sit in the chair for i think three to four hours every yeah. day to get that makeup to, take to, because forever. that was all that wasn't one whole piece that was prosthetics that had to be yeah um that had to be spirit gummed onto his face uh every day and yeah and if you've ever had spirit gum put on your face for uh, prosthetics, it, it it's a it's an experience. Um, I was doing Halloween Horror Nights in 2007. They don't really do this anymore. I'm actually going to be doing Halloween Horror Nights again this year, um, and I did it in 2018. And uh, in 20, 2007, they did. Um, I did. I had to have prosthetics put on my face with spirit gum, and I, someone fought me in the maze one night I got punched in the head, which luckily the piece that I was because the character that I was playing that year was, um, we called baby. him baby Jason, but yeah. it was young. Jason was actually the character name. It was from the first Friday, the 13th movie, uh, when Jason's mother, I think you can correct me. Cause I've never actually seen you see. Movie. Well, at the very, you don't see him in the first movie until the very, very end when he jumps out of a lake and pulls. yeah, he's crawling or out, jumping out of the lake. Yeah. That was what I did. I had to wear a, latex uh jumpsuit with shorts on over it and the jumpsuit had moss sewn in and the mm-hmm. mask had moss uh the the whole headpiece had moss on it yeah. and then i had to have moss glued to my actual skin where the where the prosthetic wasn't uh touching me and so i had a lot of spirit gum and um baby jason had uh, a head a really big bulbous mm-hmm. head and so that part was actually cushion on me and that's where they punched me so i didn't actually get hurt from the punch but when they punched the headpiece uh, it ripped the spirit gum off my skin and that was painful yeah. <laughs> so but that but that being said they stopped because it was so time consuming now they just spent hordes of money for latex or for um silicone masks that are that are skin tight which aren't that com- yeah. that aren't 
super uncomfortable, but they do they don't really breathe well. But right. it's it's training trading one thing for another for my life as a Halloween Horror Nights scare actor. Um, but I that's what they had to do for the movie is spirit gone prosthetics and all that. Mm-hmm. How would you do that on prod on Broadway on stage? I don't know. I don't know how you could. We yeah, I was trying to think. I know there's been a lot of I've seen really neat tricks for like quick changes and stuff, but mm-hmm. to do that montage of him trying different faces on like when he. They can't. I just remember the one, and he's like in the beauty shop chair, and he like looks like Barbara Streisand. Yeah. And he looks, I don't know if that would technically be super feasible on a stage or to do that know, quick right. change. And would it actually even translate? Because I mean, if you're in the audience and there's no screen, like at a big concert, right. can't see that he looks exactly like Barbara Streisand, and that's hilarious. Right. But I don't know, but there's just certain things that people have attempted and they haven't done it. But then mm-hmm. there's things that nobody attempted, and I'm like. Why not? What are some of yours that you would love to see other than Hunchback of Notre Dame? And Prince of Egypt. Um, yeah, and Prince I think of those, Egypt. Both of those on stage, I think, would be fantastic. And because I've been listening to the soundtrack so much, I think it'd be really cool. Um, I don't, this isn't really a singular movie idea, um, but I always thought that Lady Gaga's fame monster and Born This Way would make a really good jukebox show. Yeah, there's a lot of storytelling aspects in some of those songs. I wouldn't want it necessarily be like a biopic of Lady Gaga on stage because I think right. that's cutting yourself short because on opportunity. Shares, um, mm-hmm. what was it? What was it called? The sh- it was called the Share Show, and the it Cher was. Show. I've not seen it. I've I've seen some clips of it, like bootleg clips on YouTube, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I haven't listened to the soundtrack because I feel like I will be disappointed if I don't see it. Like that's one of those soundtracks. I feel like I have to see it on yeah. stage before I can listen to it. Um, and it is a set. It is basically a biopic that is staged like her variety show of the seventies, mm-hmm. which has a lot. Three actresses play share at various ages. Yeah, with, Stephanie um, J- Stephanie Blanc Stephanie is J- one of my favorite actors won, on Broadway, and she won the Tony for playing. Um, star which is the main chair character yeah babe and lady were the other two um babe and lady because babe was the 60s one lady was like dark lady in the 70s oh yeah 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 yeah. and what is star Um, referencing i think just when she finally got the icon level just her icon okay i think that's 80 i I think that's eight it's supposed to be 80s ford like yeah you know which is i mean and she i mean it's crazy how much she looked like her and sounded like her yes especially the sounded like her part yeah (laughs) it's kind of weird um but i think geobox musicals can be really cool like the one that i have no desire and i know lynn mel lynn manuel miranda helped with it i have zero interest in bring it on the musical really i have zero i didn't know lin-manuel miranda like that having knowing that lin-manuel miranda was attached to it like you just upped my interest level from a zero to maybe a three like that's about it i'm like i didn't i didn't like the movie was the the original one movie bring it on fantastic was was a moment it was it was a moment in teen films Mm -hmm. um you know but well, I didn't need the sequels. I don't need the musical. But then again, I guess if you think about it, Legally Blonde came to Broadway and that was a full success. So I get why they would want to. Right. And they did Mean Girls, the musical, which I have zero right. interest in seeing. I don't Legally, think it is as, exce- as successful oh, as they were hoping. Um, they wanted it to be Legally Blonde level. Yeah. And, and, and there's no reason not to try to have like when you get a success you do it again you know what i mean so it's like there's no reason not to try i guess but 
um nothing beats legally blonde i think that was even legally blonde there were some aspects that super disappointed me and y'all can all hex me from wherever you are if you want to right laura bell bundy is an over actress i actually i i I don't disagree (laughs) with you but i do like laura bell bundy I um but I, I think like her was... for her comedy. Like people don't realize that that she has a lot of comedy yeah. in her because again, Cardi B and the Kardashians can take several seats because oh came from Larbell Bundy. And that's just that's just how it is. So Yeah. Sorry. When she was being racially insensitive, but let's I, just glaze I over mean, that part. <laughs> right. I don't know that yeah, I don't know for sure it was racially insensitive, but it was definitely a bold choice to to do, be a hairdresser from Cooter County. Um, oh, but that's where it came from. So, but yeah, I just I think my problem with Legally Blonde is like there's twofold. As you don't like, and again, it's on stage. It's not movie. Like part of it, the movie that was so fantastic was the level of growth you saw um l go from this kind of quote-unquote ditzy sorority girl to being a full-fledged lawyer and laura bell bundy in my interpretation that i saw which was the one they played on mtv before i saw it on stage um you did never on stage mm -hmm. it was it toured and came through huntsville um never got like the serious part she was still kind of doofy funny at the end and i was like there's that there's the weird the big moment in the courtroom was lost because she in the stage show spoiler alert she had them all go to the bathroom where what's her face supposedly permed her hair and one of the side characters got a perm and then jumped out of the shower and her hair was ruined and i'm like unnecessary like super unnecessary like there was just stuff like that um and also things that don't age well part six is he gay or european as an entire song um is he gay or European. Oh yeah, that that really doesn't mm, yeah, I don't <laughs> like think like, once I don't you know, know better, you do better. I don't know. I don't know that it's fully offensive. Like I don't know. I'd have to ruminate on it, but it's definitely cringy. At yeah, this things point. that like we once you know better, you do better. Like yeah. <laughs> so I don't, I don't, I don't like hate it. legally blonde as a whole as a musical. I think uh, there's a lot of great things about it. and again there's a lot of success and it probably enlightened people to theater more because it was it was legally blonde. It was Elle Woods. We all yeah. grew up with it. Um, but I don't think Mean Girls or Bring It On was necessarily needed. Mm-hmm. I think there is a lot of other things you could choose to try to translate to stage that would be more interesting. Well, and there is a whole there is a whole swath of um, of people who believe that you don't have like if you've told a story, you've told a story. Let's get brand new stories for Broadway. Right, absolutely. But, but I don't know that I just I don't know that I necessarily agree with that because if a Broadway show is good enough, they're going to turn it into a movie. You yeah, know? like Cats. <laughs> yeah, the one that we were, <laughs> the one that everybody was screaming for. <laughs> right. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of you know, and again, not also. It's like back in early 2000s when it's like not everything has to be in 3D. Not everything yeah. has to be a musical and not everything has to go on stage. Right. Um, um, and your your favorite, uh, one of your favorites, I know, is Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you remind me, I don't know the full etymology of this whole show. Was Sweeney Todd a straight play in the very, 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 very beginning of its like 
story. You know what's really embarrassing? I wrote an entire paper on this musical and I couldn't tell you that. Um, well, the reason I say that is because one of my favorite musical journeys and I, I enjoy, it, or one of my favorite story journeys that includes Broadway and film, um, I, I enjoy every stop it makes. Uh, Patrick Dennis wrote Anti-Mame, the book, and they turned Anti-Mame into a stage show straight play and then they turned mm-hmm. that straight play into a movie starring Rosalind Russell and then they mm-hmm. took that movie starring Rosalind Russell and took it to Broadway as a musical starring Angela mm-hmm. Lansbury and then they took the Broadway musical back to screen as the musical starring Lucille Ball and people yeah. have people people love especially gays love to pick their mame and I love Rosalind Russell, Angela Lansbury, and um, Lucille Ball's versions. Like it's which one do you have a record of? I have anti or I have Mame the the feature length film soundtrack, and I love that one the most. And yes, Mm -hmm. it's because I'm a Lucy file. I'm a Lucille Ball expert, but also it was just this. It was a spectacular that was wonderful. So anyway, but I'm just saying it started as a straight Mm -hmm. play. Um, oh, and by the way, just so everybody got the the reference, Sarah bought me the musical uh, soundtrack for my birthday this past year, and I <laughs> love it. Um, but yeah, so I, I do enjoy the way, I, I enjoy the whole thing, like how they took the pieces that worked and turned it into something more and, you know, all of yeah. that. So, was, um, so I was just curious about, I thought Sweeney Todd had done that as well, but I'm I not sure. I know that, because I have it on DVD, of course, Um at least one if one of the early iterations on film which was in the 30s that was one of the early ones and then i know they did the um obviously the original broadway show and then there was i can't i don't know then of course there we all know the tim burton film which was fantastic right. mm-hmm. and um, that was there that was, was one of the moments where it was just it was a success translating from stage to screen yeah um, um and then so. they did do a revival and i don't i couldn't tell you the year of the revival um but they did a revival and it was a minimal set where the actors mm-hmm. on stage plays instruments it's very hit or miss of whether or not people enjoy that or not because it also became more of a comedy when they did that yeah. So I say on the surface, if you say Sweeney Todd the comedy, that's a little fucking weird. Um, yeah. I would love to though though see Sweeney Todd on stage with the Tim Burton filter uh, over right? the whole thing. Yeah. You know? And I would have to look because I did at one point. Because what's interesting when I when Sweeney Todd came out is I did a deep dive investigation to find out if it was if it was based on a true story or not because they kind of taught leave that up in the air. Yeah. If there was, and a lot of times what I learned is that back in England, way back when, it was this urban legend to like keep your kids from behaving. Right. Like you better behave or Sweeney Todd's going to come get you and put you in a pie. Ooh, that gives me um, chills just thinking about it. Yeah. People are fucked up to their children. Well, and, and it's interesting <laughs> because I, because I'm, I, my medium of choice is television. I love television. I, it's what I do. It's, you know, it's my jam. Uh, and I was rewatching the morning show. Um, mm-hmm the first season because I have Apple TV plus. Thank you so much. And there's this beautiful scene where Jennifer Aniston and uh, I forget her co-stars actor and character name, but he is sort of in charge of programming at the network and they're going through this whole fight and they're at this dinner party scene and they sing, uh, what is it? No one's going to hurt you. Is it? Um, 
Not while I'm around. Not while I'm around. Yeah, they sing that song. And it's just so interesting how um, how art can art can translate into other art. So it's mm-hmm. it's not this like monolithic space. You you do get songs from other things that help tell the story because the fact because the in the story of the morning show they're using this song from the show mm-hmm. and it per it's the most perfect song that they could ever sing to help further the story in the morning right. show and I'm just like that's so cool and it's a New York show and it's you know. Yeah, it it really is a moment between those two characters, and I'm just like, so I'm not like this purist who's like, it has to be this way. So, but you know, yeah. I, I, but the thing is, if you're gonna try it, you got to make sure it works, and if it doesn't work, nobody's gonna blame yeah. you. But it's like, well, that was a fail. Bye. Right. We always think of like Phantom of the Opera is probably the one of the other ones that has a lot of innovations and retellings mm-hmm. over the year because Phantom of the Opera was originally a book that was a horror film that became this, you know. And so it's, I'm not necessarily a purist yeah. that you can't experiment. I mean, Les Mis was a book first, a massive book. Right. I want to read it one day. And now that I have my friend and friend of the show, Flo, Flo he, he speaks French and Ethan and I are studying French because we're about to go to France and it's just something we bought. We both wanted mm-hmm. to do. I'm like, do I want to read Les Mis in French one day from Victor Hugo? And nah. probably not. If I read it, it'll be in English, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's a whole, I mean, it's, and it's interesting to think about where like Victor Hugo probably could never have it imagined that he's going to write this story. Um, and then one day it's going to be one of the world's most famous musicals. And right. that some girl named Anne Hathaway, who happens to share a name with one of Henry VIII's wives is going to win an Oscar for singing yeah. a song about that was created for the show. You know, yeah, you just it's, don't know where your art is going to end up. And that's, that's a beautiful thing to me. Yeah. So that and I think it that's also, what you lose when you're a purist about the whole thing. Yeah. Well, Anne Hathaway was also Shakespeare's wife, so it's written in the stars for her to for right. Anne Hathaway to exactly. be a Broadway star, um, <laughs> musical Oscar-winning actress. Yeah. I kind of always get tense when I'm, they're like, "We're going to turn this into a musical," and I'm like, "But really, should we?" And then I'm like, "I probably should let it go a little bit and not." And right. like let it happen and see what happens because if you told me a few years like years ago that Le- Legally Blonde would be an enjoyable musical, I've been probably like, nah, probably not, I, you know. But <laughs> I, I I don't I think it's okay to get tense about it because this is because that's the whole point of art. It belongs to all of us if we want mm-hmm. it to, you know. Like like there are things that you love that do not belong to me because I just don't you I don't it doesn't come to me. But then mm-hmm. like there's things that I mean. Like with L- Lucille Ball's story, uh, mm-hmm. Lucy Arnaz, her daughter, is teaming up with uh, Aaron Sorkin to write a movie about a week in the a week in the life of them called Being the Ricardos, and it's a behind the scenes sort of look at mm-hmm. what was going on. and And thankfully, Lucy Arnaz is sort of a genius when it comes to what to do with her parents' story because this is going to tell because. In the, from my understanding, at the point of where this uh, movie takes place, it is at the height of their breaking down of their marriage, and it's like showing the ugly underbelly of like what happened, but in a way that it's like that's universal. That we yeah. all have a marriage that is, you know, every marriage is not perfect. 
this is ours. This is part of our story. Own it, love it, and be a part of it. And people yeah. under people who are true fans of Lucy and Desi understand that that was a part of their story. That yeah. they went on beyond their marriage to still be partners and friends in their business for a little bit of a, a little bit of time, and then Lucy bought him out and became the first female head of a studio. Mm-hmm. And that's a big part of it, you know. And that that's all wrapped into it for Lucy fans. But people got real butt hurt about who. Lucy and Aaron Sorkin and whoever was the casting director, like the, all the powers that be decided that, um, Nicole Kidman, that Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem was going to be Lucy and Desi. And I didn't really have a whole lot of, uh, opinions about Javier Bardem. And I, I understand why they picked Nicole Kidman. She does have a face that could be turned into Lucy's face very easily. Um, my, me personally, everybody wanted Deborah Messing, and I was curious to know if Deborah Messing could step up to the challenge to play that mm-hmm. because Deborah is very good at being Lucy Ricardo, but is she good at being Lucille Ball playing Lucy Ricardo? Right. And so I, I don't know. Um, and I was just I was interested in and the specs of it all. I love mm-hmm. I love when things are correct. Lucy was five foot six, Deborah Messing was five foot seven. Nicole Kidman is 5'11". She's five inches taller than Lucille Ball was in real life. And it's just a whole different thing. And and people were really super precious about it. And, and the, my whole point of saying all this was, at a certain point, you have to let it go. Like, you mm-hmm. you can't be so precious about it that it hurts your life. <laughs> because it's, it is right. art. And, you know, if you don't like this movie about Lucille Ball... And Desi Arnaz, just go back to I Love Lucy. And if you don't like the film mm-hmm. version of Mame, just go back to the stage show and listen to the soundtrack of Angela Lansbury killing it. And if right. you don't like Sweeney Todd's, you know, whatever, then go to the Broadway. You know, it, mm-hmm. I feel like we can do that. I don't I don't think we need to be so but I do understand the preciousness. I yeah. do understand the protectiveness, but that you have to protect it as far as you can and be upset about it if it's right. going to be worth something. But if you like and Lucy Arnaz, she went on Twitter, I think you saw this when she spoke to the people who were being kind of nasty to her, to Aaron Sorkin and, and mm-hmm. to Nicole Kidman and everybody and that she said, "Listen, what's done is done. Aaron Sorkin is a beautiful writer." I endorse everything that's going on here. And so I need you to start being nice because sweetie, the voting is done. And I'm just like, that's it. I mean, she owns the estate of Lucy and Desi and she has, and if it's okay with her, for me, I didn't, Nicole wasn't my first pick, but if it's okay with Lucy Arnaz, it's okay with me. And I'm going to go into it with joy and say, let's let, let me hear this story. Let me see this life played out. And not everybody's that way. Are you that way a little bit? Can you let it go a little bit? Or are you going to hold on? Because either way, there's no wrong answer. Um, I'll put it this way. I have never, never, ever watched the Laverne Cox version of Rocky Horror. I refuse to on principle yeah. watch that made for TV bullshit. And and thankfully <laughs> you have a deluxe DVD copy of the original. So you can and go back to that the Broadway soundtrack from the set from 73 before it even hit film. And right. again, I just chose not to watch it because I was pissed. I thought mm-hmm. it was abated casting. I thought, yeah. you know, I thought that Tim Curry playing the criminologist was a fan bait that I didn't agree with. So, and I just thought it was the dumbest concept ever that it's literally filmed as the audience watching 
the movie so you can see the audience participation that would happen if you went to a real show in real life of the movie i just thought it was all ridiculous and cheaply done like it's doing too much then because there are different iterations of rocky horror it was a cult play correct correct me if i'm wrong on it it was a play first yeah in England that they brought over to the US that they turned into a movie that theater started playing at midnight and then it became a cult thing. It was not successful or a cult thing until theater started playing right. it as well, their midnight showing. And that's part of its etymology in the fact that you took me to and sometimes and you took because I don't know what came first, but you took me to a live show of Rocky Horror with the intent of per- audience participation. And sometimes you see lot people doing the play uh, mm-hmm. with with audience participation. Sometimes you see a playing of the movie with audience participation. Mm-hmm. And I've even been to I think we went to it once as well, where it was the movie was playing. There was something the shadow on cast, stage, yeah, the shadow cast, and then that. So. The audience participation is its own thing. The movie yeah. is its own thing. And it seems like this Laverne Cox as Frankenfurter was trying to give you the movie, give you the play, give you the right. audience participation all in one setting. And it seems like it might have been trying to do too much. It was a try hard thing that I just and on principle, what bothered me the most, and I'm not getting into gender politics, everyone has decisions and choices to make and it bothered what bothered me the most is that they had frankenfurter was written initially as having no gender but the game the name of the game was beyond was generally beyond the binary before that was a term transvestitism is a certain thing being transgendered is a certain thing you know like they all have meaning so right. they had Laverne Cox done up essentially like Grace Jones, hyper feminized, which yeah. the entire point is that it's supposed to be is supposed to be sexual gratification from dressing like the opposite gender, if you believe in the binary. So um, and, and so it it kind of didn't make sense. And then Adam Lambert turned down the role of Dr. Frankenfurter because he thought a trans person should play it. And I'm like, you are all missing the point. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, you know, like it just, it yeah. was, it are, just, you, it became- <laughs> are you specifically offended by it or do you just don't endorse it? And do you, and, and, and a follow-up a f- question, do you understand why they did what they did? Oh, I understand completely okay. why I'm, they and, did and what I, they did. And I'm not trying to like, I don't like, I'm not trying to say I have a, I'm just, I, I, I don't want people to think I'm lecturing you. I just, you know what no. I mean? Like, I want to, I want to, do you have an understanding with it? No, I know. I'm very protective of, of I that. understand all the decision making yeah. skills. And to me, and I love Laverne Cox. I totally love Laverne Cox. It was nothing against her, but it just felt like it was play. It was trying too hard. Yeah. And it just completely missed the mark. Of everything, like of what the story mm-hmm. was supposed to be, uh, generally about, and also I didn't, I don't know, I just again, if Laverne was comfortable playing it, that's her business. But and again, the role is non, is not gendered, written well, as a male or female character, but it just it felt like if a woman is going to play a transvestite, she has to be, she has to dress and present very masculine forward. I forget. Tell me if you can remember this. What was the first? Um... Broadway show brought to television over Thanksgiving. I know, I know there was there was a Peter Pan one. There was um, Sound they of did. Music. Was it Sound of Music? Was Sound the first of Music one? was the first one. It was yeah. like I, okay. So and and a little bit and of Jesus Christ Superstar was done for Easter. 
Um, well, a little bit of like television history for the people out there. Um, they used to do these all the time, live broadcasts of Broadway shows back in the day, like back in the very, very early days of television. And it was a television event, and it was an opportunity for the masses all across America to see a Broadway show. So I understand where this lives um, in the history of things. And, you know, we'd love to revive things like that. And that's what they were trying to do with The Sound of Music, to create an event for around the Thanksgiving holiday and they took Carrie Underwood to do it. And I'll say this. I liked it. I enjoyed it. People were upset because Carrie Underwood is not a classically trained actress. And then all of the cast had said, well, all this vitriol for Carrie Underwood. They need to understand that if we didn't have a name like Carrie Underwood tied to it, no one would, the, the TV people, powers that mm-hmm. be, would not produce it. All that being said, I don't think it was a full success. And what's interesting is it wasn't a full success, and every time they've tried to do it again, it wasn't a full success. And I'm just like, I don't understand why you took, you tried something, and I understand why you tried it, and it wasn't a great success. Why do you keep coming back to this thing that just doesn't work? Was Jesus Christ Superstar not a success? I don't know. I stopped paying attention to those situations, like because I know there was a Jesus Christ Superstar for Easter. There was Peter Pan they did the rent. year after. They did Rent at one point. They did Hairspray at one point. And I, oh, I didn't and realize they've done hairspray. They did hair. Well, and it was the hairspray one was kind of interesting because they brought back Ricky Lake and they brought back the girl I who do played know it on Broadway. Yeah. And then Nikki they played, Blonsky from and they the brought movie. Like Nikki Blonsky from the movie. Um, they brought back all the versions of Tracy Turnblatt and they really like it was a celebration of love for I this for the whole now. thing. And I, I thought that was pretty neat and cute. Um, they did Greece, which was interesting. The interesting fact about Greece was Greece that too. Vanessa Hudgens' dad died minutes before she went on stage, and yeah. she wanted to know when her dad passed away. And they had all, apparently this is again this is me remembering it rather than telling you a fact. But what I remember was reading that um, her she and her dad talked it out and he said you got to do this keep going just go yada yada Mm -hmm. like she had her dad's blessing to go on stage that night for a live event and knowing that she knew her father had just died minutes ago and she's on stage broadcasting to the entire country Mm -hmm. doing a show live when you watch her sing and the emotion she brings to it it's i'm like i don't know how she didn't get it get an emmy for that performance yeah. because it was so beautiful to know all of that but i just don't think these bringing broadway to television is super a super success yeah but anyway that being said i'm trying to think i've been over the course of this conversation i've been trying to think of shows that i want to see as a broadway musical that haven't and um um not necessarily as a musical. I will say on the record of things that didn't translate well, when I was in New York in 2006 um, for my birthday my month with my mother, we did a lot of the half-price marquees. Yeah, um, which today is kind of all clumped into the TKTS booth. Sure. So, um, And one of the ones we saw was Lestat, which was on its final week on mm. stage because it did not go well. I'm a huge fan of the Anne Rice uh, it, vampire interview with the vampire, the vampire it was Lestat, cringe. Queen of the Damned. It wasn't good. It, it was well. There's reason it didn't last, but like a few weeks. Yeah. Um, oh wow. It was not good. It was that short. It was not good. It was. I feel like it wasn't the most recognizable 
Anne Rice story that they could have picked for one. I feel like Interview with the mm-hmm. Vampire probably would have been more successful. Um, there was this whole weird song. The only thing I remember is well, Interview with the Vampire was a popular film starring Tom Han- right. or Tom Cruise, not Tom Hanks. Tom Cruise, uh, Brad Pitt, and Kirsten Dunst. So I yeah. mean, it, that would have been reasonable to bring that to Broadway because it was a hit movie. I don't yeah. know why they. But didn't. instead, they did Lestat, and um, the only thing I remember is when the characters Lestat's mother sang him the song "Crimson Kiss," which was about wanting to be turned into a vampire to live forever, and it just felt very sexual for a mother to be singing "Crimson Kiss." Well, to her I son. will say <laughs> that was some of that. That is some of the like controversy around the whole story is that like Kirsten Dunst was a child well, yeah. who had lived forever, so she had sort of become world wise and became an adult Uh, and she was and she was pretty sexualized in that movie as well so there's a whole like incestuous inappropriateness and i i i'm not super bothered by it because i know why ann rice wrote these books she wrote them as commentary on her distaste for the Catholic church Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. So, and then she came to the Catholic church, she found Jesus, but then her son came out as gay. And so she's like, I hate the church. You treat my son like garbage. So then she left and became agnostic. And to me, her Christian beliefs and her belief in God and all this is just as interesting as the book she's writing. Yeah. So, I mean, that, but yeah, I'm not really surprised that there was like some incestuous sexual tension between a mom and a son. And it was just a weird moment. Um, so that was strange. I, there's a movie that I like and I read the book, um, and it's actually called An Awfully Big Adventure. And I, um, it's basically that's a line from Peter Pan and it's a book about a young girl who gets sucked up into this theater world and they're putting on the play peter pan hence the title and i feel like not necessarily a musical but i feel like a stage show that like the and the backstage antics is kind of a cool concept like noise is off kind of yeah so i feel like on stage that might be an interesting story there's a more incest and such (laughs) intertwined in there (laughs) which i guess is just part of being part of the theater is incest um right that was a joke if anyone's curious that was a joke (laughs) (laughs) Um, i take you seriously but yeah, so I feel like that would be really interesting. I hope to God no one ever gets the idea to put Harry Potter on stage. Like the it already novels, has, but not not the novels, like oh, the full gotcha. novels. Like I know the they did the weird thing, but I'm talking about like the full like Chamber of Secrets on stage. Yeah, like, I mean, I I kind of I kind of think you're 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 like wishing that the sky will be green one day. I think it's gonna happen. We don't need Harry Potter the musical. <laughs> I, I think um, it's gonna happen. I I I just feel like it will. Um, cause I, do, I mean, just stuff like that. I feel like people are like, you know what we should do? Lord of the Rings, the musical. Ooh. And I'm like, you know what you shouldn't do? That. Yeah. Like all of that. Just don't do that. Um, and I think sometimes if you even like, I kind of just wish people would get, I do like new things. Um, there was going to be fight club, the musical at one point. Mm-hmm. We don't need that. Like we can live without fight club, the musical. Um, Yeah. You know, I feel like there's other books you could probably do instead or films than like and I'm surprised and maybe I, I might say this out loud and you'd be like, stupid, this was already was a musical. I'm surprised they haven't done Steel Magnolias, the musical. I don't know if they've done the musical. I think they have put it on stage before. Though. Well, it started as a stage play. Um, 
and it was a very it was a very good stage play. Um, and then it was very very good. Tra- it was very very good in the translation to film. Yeah. Um, it was it was kind of at the height of everybody in that film. Olympia Dukakis, uh, mm-hmm. Shirley MacLaine, Sally Field, Lo- Dolly Parton was there. Daryl yeah. Hannah, Ro- Julia Roberts. Um, so basically, ever most everyone in that film, except for Dolly and Daryl have won Oscars and Dolly has been nominated several times for music. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a powerhouse, uh, cast, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I can't think of anything that I'd love to see. I'm just not that invested in, um, I actually, you know what? I I really would love to see some, and this is just me. This is just one humble opinion and theater lovers can just, we can agree to disagree if you don't agree. I would actually be interested in seeing some sitcoms go to stage musicals a little bit. Um, like some classic sitcoms. Maybe not okay. all of them. Definitely not all of them. So Yeah. I and I'm gonna go on this is going the other direction. I'm gonna go on record and say this and y'all can tell me I'm wrong later. I don't care. I'm not sure I want Wicked the movie. I feel like it's gonna lose its magic. I I want Wicked the movie based on the books alone. I don't want the stage musical. D- d- or not, not even Wicked the movie. I kind of would love Wicked the TV series, Wicked the mini series, Wicked the limited run series. Because I don't with like all the with other all books four involved. books, all four books, yeah. the whole story, the whole grittiness that uh, Gregory Maguire envisioned. Because there's a grit that in those books that are that's missing well, yeah. from the stage show, and rightfully so. The stage show is fantastic. I love oh, it. Oh yeah, but I, um, and the music I, is fantastic. But I I really would rather see a drama series if you could movie mm-hmm. if i can't get everything of the an, ad- an adaptation of the book which yeah. they were planning to do well they were for a long time they were going to do a movie and it it was in the height of glee phase when they're like leah michelle will play alphabet and i'm like leah michelle can eat shit <laughs> like <laughs> maybe she has like I just not not into that idea, not into that concept at all. Mm-hmm. I well, and then there was people because they who, did it because she looked like Adina Menzel was the well, logic. Because and I, Adina, think, I, I think the the apex of Leah Michelle looking like Adina Menzel was achieved when Adina Menzel played her mother on Glee. We've seen them; they've shared the screen. That's mother and daughter. Now move on. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I do think some like if it was done correctly. Because I think a lot of times when we take things to the musical place, you sometimes lose the the grit. And they're mm-hmm. like, musical, cheesy. And I'm like, you know, Phantom of the Opera is not cheesy. No, Les Mis is not cheesy. And I want, I would love to see like Stephen King's Carrie or Pet mm-hmm. Cemetery as a dark stage show. Don't give me Carrie singing Covered in Blood some magical song. Give me yeah. dark and gritty um, horror on stage. And I think those kind of things are achievable. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and like, there's also some things that like, like you said, um, Hercules, not Hercules, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame was brought to Germany. Um, mm-hmm. They tried to do Gone with the Wind, the musical on the West End, and it didn't go farther than the West End. And it's just like, there's some things that I'm like, you've tried it before, try it again. Or maybe not. I don't really need Gone with the Wind, the musical, because I'm like, mm, whatever, but. That'd be a lot. But I'm, I mean, I'm surprised. stage show. But also, I mean, but that being said, I think it would be beautiful. 
a beautiful yeah. stage show to watch um, because the costumes could just be just fantastic. Um, I am curious. Your uh, your mom, Jaja, and Jaja and Papa went to uh, Europe recently. Did they go to the Paris Opera House? Did Did they tell you? Um, I don't think they went to the. I don't think they did the Opera House because I think I can't remember. There was somebody, and I'm pretty sure it was the Opera House that you had to bring a coat and tie to really? get inside. See, I went. Um, I went to there the was, Paris Opera House when I was there, and it was interesting. But it was it was empty. It wasn't like anything was going on, and definitely not I could be COVID. getting my stories mixed up, but I don't think they made it to the Opera House. I don't think my dad cared that much. Right. They were able to tour the exterior of Notre Dame in Paris, yeah, um, which was pretty nice. And yeah, and I was gonna say because I thought about it long and hard. Now I've decided that I want to see the. I don't want it as a musical necessarily, although that'd be a stretch. Uh, the Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Parkins Gilman oh, as a stage I show. I love that. I love, I love that, that idea. Story, and I think that'd be really. And I think there's a, something very creative and telling when you have a limited cast. I mean, I like big, yeah, theater productions with a lot of extras, a lot of background characters, but also there's a skill set it takes to do it essentially alone yeah <laughs> like well and that used to be something that was sort of a rite of passage for people was doing a one-woman show or a one-man show hugh jackman on on broadway <laughs> and like um brian cranston did lbj and i forget her name but holland taylor did a, a texas politician and it basically these shows were just one long meandering monologue and it was yeah. just, it was breathtaking and mesmerizing. I love um, Holland Taylor. What's that? I, want, I love Holland Taylor. I, I love her dearly. Like, and I, I feel bad. Or I don't feel bad. I regret that I didn't take more of an opportunity to have a moment with her. Um, because in 2008, I went to a taping of Two and a Half Men when I was, like, I'd already moved mm. back to Alabama. And um, I'd already moved back to Alabama. And I'd come back to L.A. for a visit. And I just happened to go to a taping of Two and a Half Men on an episode she was on. And I, I loved her so much. And I waved at her. Like, w the audience, it was over. Everything was over. The cast was standing down mm -hmm. on, the, on the stage floor. And the, cat, and the audience was exiting. And me and Holland Taylor made eye contact. And I, like, waved real big at her. And she waved at me. And then I blew a kiss at her. And she blew a kiss at me, and and but she was. Did you go to Disneyland together? We oh shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, that's an inside joke. Um, and I'm not going to dignify that with anything else. <laughs> so, but she was standing like right now. Like if I had gone down the steps instead of up the steps to exit, I could have like said hello to her. And was that allowed? Was that a thing you could have chosen to do? Yeah, it was the thing I, I mean, could have I guess chosen to do because the worst that would happen is they forcibly remove you. Right. Because <laughs> well, and the thing is, I have a script from Two and a Half Men because it's sort of a thing that once you're done, like if once you're done with a script, if you're not like one of the actors, I don't know, you can if you don't want to keep every script. Mm -hmm. There was just a few scripts just laying around on a table, and I was like, snatch. I'm like, if they didn't want me to have it, they wouldn't have left it there. That's done fair. done and done and so i have that and i could have gotten her to like sign it or maybe and, and we didn't nobody had a smartphone at that point but i'm not yeah. been able to get a, a, a photo with her because I, i'm sure we had a camera at that point 
Um, yeah. If she would have been, uh, you know, I just, I regret not doing a little more because I love her that much. So, I, yeah. yeah. I like when um, she makes appearances on Sarah Paulson's Instagram lives. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, that's, I knew I didn't make it up. Um, They at one point wanted, one, she was in, and I've already, it was called Anne was her one woman show. It was uh, Holland okay. Taylor. Yeah. I, it was a governor of Texas, if anyone cares. Mm-hmm. But they had talked about at one point making Moonstruck a musical for the stage. And I just mm. want to go on record and say, no, because one of the biggest <laughs> points is they go see fucking La Boheme on stage. And you can't, I'm not watching people sitting in an audience singing to an opera on stage. I'm not doing it. No. <laughs> <laughs> you will not, I will not partake in a show within a show. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I just, no. I will Stop say, it. I don't think Moonstruck should be a musical, but it's not for that reason. So, <laughs> oh, I'd love to know why you think it shouldn't be a musical. There is just this magic about certain movies made in the 80s that they just capture it in a bottle. And that's one of those that, having lived in New York, um, I, I, it was I, that there. It captures a magic of New York that does not exist anymore, and I and I think that's why the part of the reason the movie was just so fantastic. It yeah. looked like a slice of life of New York at that moment, and I just Without don't think you can replicate the hyper that. F- glamorized fantasy. Right. like I, it was very real. I will that's say something that made that movie that 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 part, and I you cannot replicate that. So I will also say I'm pretty sure at one point. Th- it has been tried to do Witches of Eastwick, the musical. Oh, for sure. It has to have been. And I think it's in London. Is when the, I don't think it's ever made it to the U.S. from my recollection. Again, don't quote me on it. Um, and I'm not as hateful of that ver- that as much as I am of the idea of Moonstruck. I'm like, Witches of Eastwick, I could see. In my mind, it's kind of like a First Wives Club the yes, musical. that's what I want. That's what I want. The First <laughs> Wives Club musical. I endorse it. I want it. <laughs> It will look like nine to five in a sense. I want this. That was, you know, like it's under that, you know, I, mindset that I'm like, I can, I'll, I'll subscribe to the female trio singing about the hardships of gross men. You don't own me. Um, they sing that in the movie. Any movie they actually sing in that's not a musical. I'm pretty sure you could turn it into a musical. That's yeah. my thoughts. Um, well, also, there's another movie starring Diane Keaton and Meg Ryan and Lisa Kudrow called Hanging Up, and that should be a musical, too. <laughs> it was not nearly as popular as all these other things we've talked about today, but I'm just saying it would be a lady trio is a good musical. Oh, and it, I Googled it, and they did do a, it in 2015. What? The First Wives Club, the musical. Well, it don't never act left, that stupid. It never left <laughs> Chicago, I oh. don't think. We'll do it better next time. I really right. want this. I just, I, there's, you know, I think there's certain things, and I maybe it's that weird 80s, 90s thing that I'm like, yes, certain of those things should, like, if you wanted to do Are You Afraid of the Dark, the musical, but from the Nickelodeon show, I'm down. Mm-hmm. I'm absolutely down. Go for it. As long as, you know, but... I don't something maybe if it's post 2000 I'm just like don't do it yet give it yeah. 30 years and then we'll discuss well like, could you imagine uh I'll wrap up with this but have you could you imagine Chicago as a straight play <laughs> no but it's also partially set in like in a vaudevillian nightclub right it's I mean but that's what I mean like but cabaret is the same way could cabaret be a straight play no, no never never no. but anyway 
I have enjoyed this immensely because this was not, we weren't just, we weren't trying to get to a solution. We weren't trying to get to a space. We were just having a good time talking about our passions. And that was fun for me. Was it fun for you? Meh. It was okay. You're like, it's fine. This is our phone conversation. <laughs> My brother-in-law actually told me once, he goes, I tried to listen to your podcast, but it just sounded like a phone call and I was bored. And I was like, well, there you go. I don't know what to tell you. Was it one of mine or was it someone else's? Because I'm the best know. guest. I oh, you should you should really investigate who you had a boring conversation with. Right. It's true. It's just pro- cut them well, out of the, your life. <laughs> the, this, is, this is episode 75 and the common denominator, spoiler alert, is me. So, oh, yeah, you <laughs> so are pretty if it's boring, boring sometimes. Probably my fault. Oh, I forgot. I have a Zoom call. So Oops. anyway, we'll wrap this up, and um, I'll just I'll delete it. I'll I'll tell her to call me back. Um, Oops. <laughs> so yeah, thanks for joining me today, and I can't wait for the next conversation next week. If you want to follow Sarah on Instagram, you can follow her at Sadie May fifty seven. And if you want to follow her on Twitter, you can follow her at Sarah Cat Cooper. Very good. Right? It only took 10 years, but yeah. It only took 10 years for me to get it. Okay. And if you want to follow <laughs> me, I'm at Kyle L. Henderson on both Twitter and uh, Instagram and TikTok and the cobweb infested Snapchat. And also, I'm going to say it again. Get vaccinated, please. I, I, and I'll, I've, been, I've been telling people this in your real life. Mm. We have politicized the vaccine to no end. This is not about politics. This is about your life. So if you don't want to be a part of the political vitriol, go in secret, get your vaccine and live through this pandemic. Okay. Because I actually care that you live. I don't care if you're a part of the political, the political storm that is this vaccine and this pot in this pandemic, but it's getting worse. So if you need to do it in secret, do it in secret so that no one knows and you won't feel any backlash, but go get vaccinated so we can live through this moment. Cause it really is just a moment. Mm-hmm. So that's all I have to say about that. I hope everybody has a great week. Bye. Bye.